Welcome to True Nature Radio. I'm Lori Regan. And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. The title of today's show is The Body is a Sacred Landscape. We want to talk about how symptoms that show up on the body are not a problem. They're not the thing, well, they can be a problem in terms of how we're experiencing life. But if we look at the symptom not as the problem, but actually as a signal or a symbol of what's going on in our system, it can be a real gift that leads us to an understanding of how we can move in the direction of more health. Yeah, we could say um, that our result-oriented way of thinking and our guaranteed delivery and bring back a product when it when you don't like it uh, within 30 days, that kind of attitude, uh, consumer attitude, has also influenced medicine in a certain way that um, we have very much focused on suppressive approaches on symptoms rather than on trying to interpret certain symptoms at the surface as signs for a deeper underlying problem. And the analogy I always use is if you are driving your car and the oil lamp comes on, the way to fix that obviously is to stop the car and refill the oil, not to pretend nothing is wrong and put a piece of tape and glue it over the red light and then keep driving the car for a little bit longer until it grinds to a halt and then the engine is completely broken. And in a certain way, many of the procedures of a modern symptom comp uh, suppressive medicine could be compared to the latter. Yeah, you know, Heiner, that makes me think of uh, something. It was one of the first things we talked about in naturopathic school was Herring's Law of Cure. Um, and maybe starting with the, the fact that, or the observation that you see a very common pattern is a baby who gets ear infections. And and that happens a lot because of simply the, the um, anatomy at that age. The ear canal tends to not drain very well because it's more horizontal, and so it tends to become infected more easily. And, but if you use repetitive antibiotics, what you can see, many kids, the ear infections will go away, but then they'll develop eczema. And then steroids are used, steroid cream is used to treat that eczema. And eventually the eczema might be successfully suppressed, it will go away, but not because there's been a release of the, pre the problem in the body, but because it hasn't is no longer allowed to express at the level of the skin. So later on, that same child getting older may now develop asthma. And while it may not be recognized that there's a relationship between the suppression of the ear infections and then the eczema and the asthma, um, there probably is one. And then the asthma may be treated and eventually somewhat successfully treated, and later in life that person shows up with something like rheumatoid arthritis. What we see in natural medicine is that when you successfully treat the person, the underlying problem, the underlying pattern, say of an adult who has rheumatoid arthritis, as the arthritis symptoms get better, as that starts to truly resolve, you can see a return of the asthma symptoms. And as they resolve, 
then you can see the return of the eczema. Typically, you won't see the return of the otitis media, the ear infection, simply because the anatomy doesn't so much support the infection at, at an older age. But so Herring's Law of Cure there is the observation made by Herring that when disease actually really is released, when a true pattern or process of cure is happening, you see the symptoms go from the inside out. You see them go, in general, from the top to the bottom, so on the upper part of the body, releasing down through the bottom part of the body. And also you see the symptoms reverse order. So they, they go away in the reverse order from those from the pattern by which they happened in the first place. In Chinese medicine, there is something that is similar. A uh, late Song Dynasty or early Yuan Dynasty physician from the 12th century, I believe, called that rowing the boat against the stream, meaning as you are detoxing the body, so to speak, there will be different uh, layers of symptoms coming to the surface that you remember, oh, I haven't had this symptom in 10 years or 15 years, and now it's all of a sudden coming back, not because you're making the patient worse, but you basically making them 15 years younger where the body still had the ability to react to a specific <laughs> type of toxin in their bodies. So, Henry, talk about Mrs. Chen. There's a woman in China that um, Dr. Liu Lihong has a prominent physician within China has um, introduced her work to us, and she she's a very vocal advocate of really seeing what's going on in the body and releasing it and knowing whether the person is moving in the direction of getting more sick or knowing if the symptom is there because you're actually moving in the right direction. Well, in general, we can see that body workers especially are very much keyed into intuitively into that ancient wisdom of treating the body and seeing the body as a holographic map, meaning whatever you see at the surface, whether it is premature graying of hair, whether it is lowered sexual drive, whether it is nail fungus, whether it is sinus infections, whether it is bleeding gums, whether it's warts and moles, whether it's varicose veins, etc., those are all seemingly not that important things that need, none of these are killing us, but they are uh, nuisances from a modern perspective that you maybe want to shut off. But from an ancient perspective, they are external branch reflections of root rot or root diseases inside of the organs. And you can disregard them for a while, but um, they, they are really alarm lights of the body that says there's something starting to be quite seriously wrong here on the inside. And if you don't address that, I promise you it won't just be nail fungus. So um, the body worker who has his or her hands on the body can usually discover, even in a person who has none of the things I just mentioned, you will find places in the body that are extremely sensitive and painful and are indicative of a deep kind of functional energetic stagnation uh, that will at some point become uh, structural. 
And uh, the uh, amazing point, uh, point about this uh, massage therapist in Shanghai, Dr. Chen Yuqin is her full name, is that she is treating many, many people, uh, has uh, treated hundreds if not thousands of people over the course of her long career with cancer, with very serious autoimmune diseases like lupus and MS, etc., and healed them without herbs. Including her husband, right? Including her husband from uh, lung cancer, lung cancer yeah. absolutely. Uh, by just saying, oh, they call it lung cancer, but actually from our perspective, it's just a stagnation, a deep stagnation in the lung channel. And then uh, massaging every day, every day for years, resolving that stagnation and then resulting in a clean x-ray in the end. So the inspiring thing for me here is, A, somebody who has this deep trust in that this medicine uh, really works and that the foundations of uh, ancient wisdom are correct in the way that yang governs yin, that energy precedes matter. And as long as you get rid of the energetic stagnation in any way, whether it's a needle or moxa or herbs or with your hands, uh, it is enough as long as you keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, to finally reach down to the material level and not only prevent disease, but even undo something that has already formed. And of course, that's why the trust is so important, is because if you falter along the way, then even as a practitioner, you go like, oh, maybe this is not working, and you don't you don't keep it up, and if you're not doing it, then the result is not so good. But uh, so this this kind of radical commitment to the precepts of uh, her medicine, and then having the technique to remove this stagnation is remarkable. But I should say it's not just her shamanic charisma or something in the treatment room. Very often she doesn't have time when people come from Singapore to keep them there for months or even years, and she just teaches people in their family, sometimes 14-year-old children, how to treat their dad or their mom or their grandpa, and with remarkable results. Yeah, so I guess the point of all of what we're saying here is pay attention to the symptoms that are happening in your body, respect them. Um, if you have a headache and you know, thank God for the ability of certain drugs to make that headache go away if it's really causing you incredible suffering. But don't think that the drug is actually getting to the root of the problem. So um, what well, more do we want to say about that, Heiner? Well, I mean, it it means that the, 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 the drug is... Uh, suppressing in the way it makes you feel more comfortable at the moment, but it is definitely not healing, meaning it is not taking away the origins of the the, the functional issue that is now ringing or lighting up that alarm light. And uh, the, the, if you as the consumer uh, are using painkillers and other kinds of things like that, you need to be aware of that. And so that is the strength of holistic medicine is that it will go after the origin of the disease. And the nature of your symptom is actually very interesting. You know, it's like, is your rash red or pale? Does it itch or not? Does it show up more during the day or more during the night? Uh, 
do you sleep like you're in a coma or you have vivid nightmares? What are you dreaming about? Uh, this is all scientifically accurate from the perspective of holistic medicine, meaning your body is communicating in symbol form, in the mythology of the gestalt uh, of the issues that it's having, is giving the practitioner in the holistic healing arts valuable information about how to treat that. And to just uh, suppress it, then you're making a Faustian pact with the devil, you'll have to pay with that later, as so many people who take uh, steroid creams or painkillers or so, or particularly uh, dangerous, I think, is the class of benzodiazepine, mm -hmm. uh, Valium, uh, mm -hmm. those kinds of drugs that kind of used for insomnia and anxiety, right. uh, because they are just masking the underlying severe imbalance. And very difficult to get off of. Extremely addictive, exactly. Yeah. So one way I like to think of that is that um, you think about a system that ideally has a certain kind of very natural structure, and then something gets out of balance and the body attempts to regain balance, and the symptom is actually part of that expression of the body's attempt to regain balance. We get a toxin, we get coryza, it's, uh, we get a runny nose. We, we take in a toxin and it gets into our stomach and our intestines. We get diarrhea. There are things that our body does on purpose to regain balance. And so, and a fever is like that. A fever is something the body is doing on purpose to be able to address a, a disharmony or an imbalance that's happening. So if we think of it that way, we want to support the body's attempt. We want it to be successful in its ability to be able to regain the balance. And sometimes the symptoms can be life-threatening, and in that case we might want to accept the potential side effects or the, the suppression by a drug, but we want to do it with an understanding that that hasn't addressed the underlying problem, and so we want to, we want to know that and after the acute phase, the, the dangerous phase is over, we still want to go back and be able to address the underlying things so that we can actually truly move in the direction of being healthier. So that when we take a drug, we can make a symptom go away, but we're doing that by adding a level of stress to the system, by adding a level of tension to the system so that that symptom can't express anymore, but almost guaranteed we've increased the level of stress or tension in the system so that a new symptom is going to show up. And we can keep chasing that, whereas a natural medicine works by decreasing the level of tension in the system, by removing crystallized patterns that no longer have to be there, by increasing flow, increasing the level of freedom within the person. You just mentioned the example of a fever. You know, in a certain way, it comes back how we as modern people view nature. In ancient times, everything had a purpose, uh, including the reactions of our body. That was always purposeful. It wasn't arbitrary and threatening. And so, yes, a fever can be life-threatening, but to just go like the body's going crazy and we need to find a way to shut it off with artificial means 
is just simply not the right way to go about it. Because as you just pointed out, absolutely correctly is that a fever is the the most preeminent way how the body's uh, reactions, uh, immune reactions, defense system is working by cooking bacteria and other pathogens to death, so to speak. And from a Chinese perspective, to give an example, other than the so-called five-element system of diagnosis, you've got the so-called six confirmation or liu jing bian zheng uh, system where you have um, the so-called, or in the Huangdi Neijing, the ancient classic of uh, Yellow Emperor's classic of medicine written about 2,000 years ago, you've got this division into uh, six different uh, functional relay systems in the body, and they call the three yang and the three yin. And yang means the body is still reactive, and yin means the body is sub-reactive. And when you read case studies from ancient times, very often people who came to the village doctor in Ming Dynasty China, they were younger people who were having high fevers and they were delirious and they were bleeding from every orifice. And um, that is a young disease. That is uh, Yang Ming syndrome or Taiyang syndrome or Shaoyang syndrome. But Yang means your immune system is in the still above 50% range, whereas the patients we see nowadays due to this prolonged several generations now of suppressive medicine, particularly using antibiotics, which are cooling, they will bring symptoms down, but they also bring down the reactivity, the ability of our body to defend itself. And you mentioned uh, at the beginning this uh, example of the ear infection. Uh, it's you know, you keep giving a child with ear infection antibiotics and then it gets more ear infections and you give more antibiotics and then it gets it even sooner until there comes a time when there are no more ear infections. That doesn't mean the child now is cured, but it means that uh, the body's threshold of reactivity is now below 50% and the, the child's constitution is a taiyin constitution, which is a cold constitution, and that is normally something that happens maybe in your 40s, but now this 12-year-old child already has that, setting up the child for chronic fatigue syndrome and uh, fungal uh, diseases and digestive problems and immune issues later on in life. So there is a definite price to pay if, uh, with the type of medicine that we seem to practice in modern times, which includes modernized Chinese medicine as well, because we've learned over time we're trying to integrate uh, modern medicine with Chinese medicine, and we hear the term infection, we immediately use so-called heat-clearing herbs um, to suppress that. And while symptoms get better at first, we're contributing to cooling down the immune system of the patient and actually over time while the symptoms are going away are causing harm. Yeah, so we'd like to recommend that for ourselves and for all of you that when symptoms happen to pay attention, to notice them, to not just brush them off, to be curious about them, to learn to discern when it's something that should be addressed by going to a practitioner who can really help 
figure out what the underlying imbalance is or whether it's something we inherently have the knowledge of. We know that we have a certain kind of um, discomfort during the day, and it's because we've been eating a lot of a certain kind of food that we know is not good for our system, or it's because we've been staying up really late at night, or we've been sitting in front of the computer for a long time, or, you know, there, there are things that we haven't been getting exercise. There are things that, that we, our system itself has the intrinsic knowledge of knowing what we need to get back into balance. And in conclusion, I would like to say, trust the wisdom of our bodies and trust ancient attempts to describe the map, the map of our, the sacred landscape of our microcosm. The Chinese are so remarkable that way, and the Egyptians and Sumerians were as well. In, in, in the description of that's really what the acupuncture points are, if you look at one of these copper uh, models or wooden models at the very beginning of the human body with not only all of the different meridians and division of the body into different functional regions, uh, expressions of how internal functions are projected onto the body surface, but also through the acupuncture points, very detailed naming on what is happening in a particular place in our bodies. You know, so your big toe, you can survive if you amputate that, but if you look at the acupuncture naming there, there are some very important points there. There's like, it's like certain ministerial functions of the spleen and the liver channel are living there that uh, are very important for the projection of problems that you may experience in these two organs and that can serve as an access point for you to treat those organs. And uh, so treat your body as a sacred landscape and stay in tune with it. There is no need to be afraid that there come a day when all of a sudden you get this terrible news that you have cancer or you have some bizarre disease, if uh, you watch the symptoms and signs in your body and you massage yourself or have somebody else massage you regularly, as long as there is no tension or pain anywhere in your body, it is virtually impossible that there is some toxic, uh, life-threatening thing growing inside of you. So uh, observation of the body, extremely important. Uh, I mentioned in an earlier show how uh, this is the reason why I'm in this profession because before I got my uh, original cancer at the age of 27 as a young man, I was felt horrible for more than a year and kept going to the doctor and said, uh, at the time I wasn't in medicine, and said, there's something seriously wrong with me, I just know it. And... Uh, because the blood and the x-rays and the ultrasound and those kind of structural analyses were normal, uh, I was just advised to go home and rest and, you know, not be so depressed, maybe, as a graduate student uh, at the University of Chicago. But my body was speaking to me and was telling the truth that there was something life-threatening happening. And uh, so this is the piece of advice we want to pass on to you, that you live in a sacred temple, 
that is working well and when you have a symptom it is trying to tell you something you know just make sure you're not taping that alarm light over but that you treat your body with compassion and that you try to search for the root rather than uh, just think of your body as being this equipment that is bothering you and coming up with these inconvenient uh, kind of symptoms. And we've done a lot of shows on the role of the emotions in disease, so part of what we're recommending for ourselves and everyone else is to be in touch with the emotion that is associated with a symptom. Um, I once had the experience of sitting with one of my patients who had a bad sore throat, you know, bad pharyngitis, and just helped her, sat with her while she felt what she felt emotionally when she paid attention and brought her attention into her throat region. And she felt pretty strong grief, experienced it, and literally within five, ten minutes, her her sore throat was gone, didn't need a remedy, didn't need any herbs, didn't need any homeopathics. Um, she was gone because she, through actually accessing the emotion in her case that was stuck in her throat, that was enough rather than the, the physical massage. She just needed that emotional release and, and the symptom was gone. So that's another thing is to to pay attention to not just the physical sensation of a symptom, but also to the emotional reality of it. And as much as is possible, because it's it's not actually encouraged often in our culture, but to really be in touch with what our bodies are telling us. Yes, everything we feel is also a holograph, a direct reflection of where the energy is stagnating exactly. And that is why the five-element model of Chinese medicine has this direct association of certain emotional states with um, pathological, uh, is a pointer toward pathology in, in one of the five organ networks, absolutely. And maybe, and this is another thing that comes to mind, because there's also the type of patient that says, there's never anything wrong with me. I haven't even had mm-hmm. a cold mm-hmm. in seven years. And that is maybe also dangerous <laughs> because maybe the body's alarm system is broken. Right. Uh, particularly people with cancer sometimes says, I've been feeling great. I'm not depressed. I'm not taking medication. I haven't had a cold in five years. And now I get diagnosed with prostate cancer. And the problem here is maybe other than maybe a certain kind of uh, way of treating our bodies in a very distant manner that we're simply not aware of what is going on, uh, there's also the possibility that the, the, the system is so unified, meaning it has so little energy available to the electricity of its alarm system that it doesn't even have the power to register something at the surface anymore. So don't be afraid of the younger uh, kids with the high fevers and the red acne or so. Be afraid of the cold uh, elderly patient that doesn't were um, severe pathologies have no projection onto the external map anymore because the system is so paralyzed, so frozen, so congealed. And so that is also something to watch out for if there's never ever anything wrong. That is also a sign in its own right. 
Right, from one subjective experience and that person going to a seasoned practitioner, the practitioner would be able to sense, right, this pre through all the ways that they have of diagnosing, they would know that this was actually an expression of a disharmony as opposed to um, health. <laughs> yes, for instance, through pulse diagnosis or um, the tongue diagnosis or the just listening to the sound of the voice or the so-called shen, the spirit in the eyes, the color in the face, the body odor, those are all more objective methods that the practitioner can use to diagnose uh, the state of health uh, of a patient who says there's nothing really wrong with them. Of course, we don't see them that often because the motivation for a patient <laughs> to come in is because they are suffering in, in some way. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Laurie Regan. And I'm Heiner Fruhoff. Once again, if you are seriously interested in looking into natural medicine, holistic medicine, ancient wisdom, traditions as a career path, go to ncnm.edu, the website of National College of Natural Medicine, or go to classicalchinesemedicine.org, uh, become a member at the Associates Forum there where there are more than 80 hours of video interviews with uh, masters of classical Chinese medicine and further explanations uh, and lectures, including myself, about ancient symbol science and the principles of Chinese medicine. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week for another episode of True Nature Radio. True Nature Radio